1: It is the powerful, sovereign, gracious Word of God. We're looking at that next on this edition of Abounding Grace. Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 39 is where we find ourselves today. Hello and welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Our message is simply entitled, The Powerful, Sovereign, Gracious Word of God. Uh, There's an awful lot packed into that little statement alone. And again, it's all found here in Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 39. Won't you join us as we grow in God's grace by the study of His Word? Here's Pastor Gary Wagner now with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. If you're not a Christian here today... You
0: think you are so free, being able to will whatever you want to will. But my friend, you are a slave because you only will and choose whatever your sinful heart and Satan tell you to choose. And you do not become free. You do not become free until the Lord Jesus Christ speaks His powerful, sovereign Word into your heart. And then transforming your whole inner life, giving you for the first time the ability to then completely surrender your will to the will of Jesus, saying from that moment on, Lord Jesus Christ, your will be done in my life. Lord, I give every 24 hours to what you want me to do. What do you command me, Lord? What do you expect of me? It is only as we surrender ourselves unreservedly, day after day after day, to the will of the Lord Jesus Christ, allowing his will revealed in his word, to govern and dictate the course and the choices and the preferences of our will that we are free to be the human beings God has made us to be that's how God created Adam and Eve in the very beginning that they would live by the will of God now if you say these things to someone whose heart is hard who's not a Christian they will of course resist it they will interpret that as slavery They'll say, me surrender my will to the will of Jesus and be concerned for whatever he commands of me. That is slavery. You see how blind the unbeliever is? He thinks freedom is slavery. And he thinks slavery is freedom. And you cannot convince him otherwise. You can argue with him until you're blue in the face. But he will remain convinced that what is freedom is slavery and what is slavery is freedom. And he will never be able to see the truth, never be able to see the truth until the Lord Jesus Christ speaks powerful, liberating words into his heart. When he begins in his own experience to say, the unbeliever, Jesus, your will be done. I want to do what you will for me in the scriptures. Then he understands for the first time in his life what real freedom is all about. One man said, When Christ calls a person to follow him, a great joy surpassing all measures seizes a man carries him away, penetrates his innermost being, subjugates his mind, and all else seems valueless compared to that surpassing worth. No price is too great to pay. The unreserved surrender of what is most valuable becomes a matter of course for his life. Great joy surpassing all measures seizes a man who surrenders his will to Jesus. And that's what Levi did that day. And Jesus set his gaze upon him. And do you know Jesus comes back to this subject time and again in his preaching? Let's look at Luke chapter 9. And someday in the future we're going to come back to this and look at it in more detail. But let me draw just three quick points from it. Luke 9, beginning in verse 57, and we'll read to verse 62. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me just first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Someday in the future, beloved, we will look at this again in much more detail. But let me point a couple of things out to you. Do you see what Jesus is saying about true discipleship here? If you're going to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you must first of all utterly deny yourself. He said, if any man would be my disciple, let him deny himself and take up his own cross. This is dramatically opposed to what church after church is preaching this Sunday. I don't know about you, but I hear it all the time on the radio and TV from evangelists. You must first love yourself have self-esteem, respect yourself, trust yourself. And as one preacher said, believe in that God that believes in you. Jesus, to the contrary, asks, do you want to be my disciple? Deny yourself. Do you know what the word deny means? It means to renounce, to lay aside any claim you have on your life and give it all up to Christ. Second, Jesus says, here in this text, give me immediate obedience that takes priority over all the claims of your family. He says, I take priority over everything. Whatever claims your family has on you, my claim is above all those claims. You are to obey and serve me, says Jesus, regardless of the claims of your family. And we'll get back to that at another time. And lastly, in Luke 9, he says, I want undivided allegiance and loyalty. Undivided allegiance and loyalty. There may be no rivals in your heart for me. I want all of your intensity, all of your love, all of your longing. I want all of your commitment. I want total 100% of your loyalty. Now notice what Levi's response to Jesus was. Jesus said, follow me, surrender your will to me. And Levi's unqualified response was to leave everything behind. Rise up from his desk and follow Jesus. Now this is an unbelievable, incredible incident. Jesus surely gave some explanation with his call upon Levi's life. But when he called him... Levi immediately got up from his desk. I want you to get the picture here. Levi was sitting at his desk in the middle of all these 1040 forms collecting taxes. He had his little calculator there, busy figuring out how he could add just a little on so he could make some money for himself on the side. He was busy at work serving Rome, figuring how he would rob the chosen people adding burden to their lives, lining his own pockets, increasing his lot, living in total rebellion against God. And Jesus comes to this man, and he calls him, and Levi literally gets up from his desk, leaves his job and his comfortable income, and begins traveling everywhere with Jesus as one of his 12 apostles, fellowshipping with him, learning from him, sharing in his ministry. He left his lucrative business, trusting from that moment on that God would provide for his every need. He left comforts and all behind immediately. Beloved, that's a powerful word that God used to call him. Commentator Leon Morris reminds us that this must have meant a considerable sacrifice because tax collectors were normally wealthy. Levi was probably the richest of all the apostles. And we should notice here the quiet heroism of this action. If following Jesus had not worked out for the fishermen like Peter and James and John, they, they could have returned to their trade with very little difficulty. But when Levi walked off his job, he was finished. Rome would surely not take a man who had abandoned his task so abruptly. His following Jesus was a final commitment. He had crossed the point of no return, and he was willing to cross it because of the one who called him. Now in this short story, some of the fundamentals of the gospel are to be found. For instance, we see, as I've already talked about, the divine authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be so impressed, beloved, in just these two verses with the sovereignty and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the way Jesus called Levi, we see the way the Lord builds his kingdom in this world. There were many other people in Capernaum, as I said, yet Christ called Levi to follow him. And notice, this call was unsought and probably nowhere to be found in Levi's thoughts. This call to Jesus to, of Jesus to follow him was unthought of and unsought by Levi. In other words, Levi wasn't there with all of these tax forms on his desk, wondering if Jesus just might be coming along today to call him. Or what he could do to get Jesus to seek him out as one of his disciples. He wasn't even thinking about it. He would probably never met Jesus before that moment. And as an unbeliever, his heart was surely full of hostility toward the living God and his Son... Levi was running from God as far as he could run, sitting there in dishonesty, figuring out how to rob the people of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ comes to Levi, who has no plans of being saved, not even wanting to be saved, and Jesus saves him. Now what does that tell you about the sovereign grace of God? It says that it is prevenient prevenient, which means grace comes before our decision to become a disciple of Christ. Jesus did not wait for Levi to search him out or to even take an interest in what he was teaching. The Lord Jesus Christ came and spoke His sovereign, powerful word or phrase into His heart, enabling Him, enabling Him to want to become a Christian. It was the prevenient grace that moved Him to want to become a Christian. Now, beloved, most churches in the Bay Area have got it all messed up. They've got it reversed. Because most churches worship man rather than the living God, even though they don't realize it. Most churches in the Bay Area and across America will tell you, if you want to enjoy the grace of God and be saved, then you must first decide to follow Jesus. If you want to be born again, to have God totally transform your life, you must first of all decide to follow Jesus. It is totally the verse with Levi. Jesus did not come to Levi and say, Levi, if you decide to follow me, then I will transform your life. It was Jesus speaking those words to Levi that enabled him to completely surrender his life to Christ. It's not man's decision first. We're so enamored with man's potentiality, man's value, man's choices, man's decisions, man's right. And it is damning our our culture and each and every one of us. The emphasis in scripture is not on man or his decision it is on the decision the plan the choice of Christ Jesus said you did not choose me I chose you a beloved I didn't make that up you can find that as a direct quote from the Lord Jesus Christ in John 15:16. everything about your eternal destiny, does not rest on your decision for Christ, but on Christ's decision regarding you. The Lord Jesus Christ spoke His sovereign word in prevenient grace. He came to Levi, while Levi was in rebellion against him, and he enabled this man to leave all and to follow him The grace of Christ is not something that you have to earn or even are capable of earning. There's nothing you've got to do first in order to achieve it. It is something that God must sovereignly bring into your life if you are ever to decide for Jesus at all. And if you have decided for Jesus and you've surrendered your will to the will of Jesus, it is because the Lord Jesus Christ has already Spoken, his sovereign word of grace into your heart and without the sovereign word of Christ in his grace it is impossible for us who are dead in our sins to have a saving relationship with him if you're here today and you love him and are seeking to surrender the entirety of your life to him although never perfectly and none of us do Understand, you are totally unworthy of such a divine choice. Why in the world, beloved, did the Lord Jesus Christ sovereignly choose to set his gaze on you and I, wherein he bypassed and did not set his gaze upon millions of millions of others who are smarter than we are, far better looking at least than me, better reputations than many of us have. He passed them all by. In fact, some people he passed by weren't anywhere near as sinful as you and I have been in our previous lives. If the Lord Jesus Christ has sovereignly set His love upon you, enabled you to decide to follow Him, beloved, spend the rest of your life praising Him. What a shame it is for us to understand something like this, only to go out and knowingly sin. When God, by His grace, has given us the understanding that our decisions for Him are totally dependent upon Him, deciding to set His love on us, and that we can do nothing in surrendering our love and lives to Him until He first of all sends His prevenient grace by His powerful word into our hearts. When after God enables us to believe all this we sin then we are far more wicked than he who believes by his own puny power that he has surrendered to Christ. Far, far more wicked because God has given us more light and we deserve to give him much more. How dare we sin against him when he has graciously and sovereignly chosen us and transformed our lives. Not only is Christ's word sovereign, powerful, prevenient, but it is also irresistible. That is, when the Lord Jesus said to Levi, follow me, speaking it to his heart, that was it. Levi didn't have a chance. He had to respond positively and spontaneously and voluntarily. When the Lord Jesus Christ speaks to the heart in a powerful way and says, follow me, all the forces of hell can't keep you from following him. It comes with irresistible might. You might say no and shake your little fist at one time or another. But there will come a time, if you are of God, if you are His elect, when God speaks His Word so powerfully into your heart that you can do nothing but submit because it comes with irresistible might. We chose Christ because He first chose us. He called us, and hearing His powerful voice in our heart, we followed. He turned us, and we turned away from our sins. He spoke His omnipotence into our, uh, our, uh, into our spiritually dead bodies, and in morally enslaved lives, and we came to have faith in Him. And this word is so gracious, so totally undeserved, so totally unmerited. As Spurgeon said, So sublimely simple. Our text says. He said to him. Follow me. That's all the text says. Christ spoke. Levi followed. It wasn't Luke. Who said follow me. It wasn't any of his apostles. Who said follow me. Jesus said. Follow me. Listen to these words from Charles Spurgeon. It is not my preaching. Or. Your preaching that can save souls. It is, he said, when the Lord Jesus Christ by the divine spirit says to a man, follow me. That then the decisive work is done. Did he not say to the primeval darkness, light be and light was? And God the omnipotent and eternal has but to speak to men and a like result will follow. That is the way to salvation, beloved. Christ bid you, when you were still in your sins, to leave it, and you left it. Christ bid you to trust in Him, and you trusted in Him, and in trusting in Him, you were saved. Where the word of the King is, there is power in Jesus Christ. spoke to Matthew, Levi, the word... Of the king and preaching to you in his name. We preachers do not say, dear friend, be converted if you want to. No, we say thus saith the Lord, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And with that command goes the power of the word of the king and so sinners are then saved. Jesus said, follow me. And Levi left everything and followed him. Beloved here at Reformed Heritage Church, we must dedicate ourselves to the story of Levi. We must dedicate ourselves to that which has made this church almost a lone voice in the San Francisco Bay Area for 12 years. And that is we must continue to dedicate ourselves to the preaching, to the teaching and the believing of the sovereignty of God's grace and of the Reformed faith, especially that of Christian Reconstructionism with all of its doctrines, ethics, distinctives and worldview. What has made this church unique is our truly Reformed principles dominion theology, and victory-oriented eschatology, and we must continue to teach them boldly. Christian reconstruction, beloved, is merely the practical application of the Reformed faith to every area of life. And we must dedicate ourselves to Presbyterian, without which liberty is impossible in a culture. Check the historical record. Wherever there is no strong Presbyterian influence, eschatological republicanism. In a culture, there is diminishing liberty and eventually tyranny. We must commit ourselves to study, to defend, to propagate the reformed faith, to teach it to our children so they will marry within the faith and carry it into future generations. And we who are being reformed by the Word of God must seek forgiveness for our failure Our cowardice in not propagating the truth. For our lack of evangelism and our inconsistency of life and behavior to what we believe. We must commit ourselves to humility, self-criticism and self-searching for not being everything that God has called us to be. Not only must we commit ourselves to the sovereignty of God's grace and all of its implications, but we must commit ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, praising Him for discipling us when we were not worthy, asking Him for forgiveness for lukewarmness, disobedience to Him, lack of love for Him, forgiveness for leaving our first love and allowing our first love to grow cold, We must commit ourselves to leaving everything, just as Levi, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We must commit ourselves to spending our lives serving Jesus Christ, abandoning any claim on our own will and our own time and our future, surrendering all to Him, submitting our wills to His will, to be governed, led, directed by His will, 24 hours a day. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely
1: give. It must be our song. And that is Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. As we close out our time today, I'd leave you with our address, phone number, and our website, 408 866 Or visit our website and leave us an email, reformedheritage.org. We also have past messages available, uh, an extensive library of audio that you can tap into at any time for free. Right there at our website, again, reformedheritage.org. If you'd rather write to us, the address is Abounding Grace, PMB 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That is here in Los Gatos. The zip code is 95032. Normally, we'd invite you to join us for worship. But since we have been suspended because of the COVID-19 crisis, we invite you to visit our website instead and pick out a couple of recent messages that Pastor Gary has delivered here at Reformed Heritage Church. Again, reformedheritage.org. We'll also give you updates at that website as to when we return to normal worship. And you're always welcome to call us as well for that kind of information, 408 866 5607. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner.